Good morning. Thank you all for having me. Let me be here with you. As, as Tom said, uh, my name is Tate Welling. I'm the director of the Wesley Foundation at Georgia College. In my ninth year there, I'm going by the rule that's apparently part of this church to be married to a woman named Ashley. <laughs> we have three daughters together. Briley is eight. Eliane is five. And Kate is two. I have a picture of my family, I think. Yep. First of all, that's a good picture of me. (laughs) Um, My youngest, Kate, is like a miniature version of me, um, which is great and, you know, probably not so great for her in some ways. Uh, But that's my family. Feel free to um, brag about us. We'll take it. Uh, So though many of you don't know me, I feel like I'm a part of the Transformation Network family as Tom said, about 10 years ago, I helped the Hambrick family start and launch Vintage 242. For two years, actually, I led worship there. Part of my time there, I also ran the youth ministry. My wife, Ashley, headed up our children's ministry there for, for a while before we moved. Um, actually, for our first probably six months, we met right out here in your, I think the church word for that is a narthex. Four year. There you go. Uh, maybe narthex is like a Methodist word. I don't know. Um, and I remember one Sunday afternoon, we're setting up um, for our service because we met in the afternoons because we didn't want to steal everyone from this awesome service. Um, just needed to steal a few of you. Um, and it was at, during the season when uh, Daniel was leading worship here. And um, as I'm setting up, I'm setting up this very mediocre equipment that Steve and I had found on Craigslist from a church that was closing down. That's depressing, by the way. To go to a church that's closing down and to be a church that's starting and saying, can we have everything because you guys didn't make it? Awesome. <laughs> so we're setting up this very mediocre equipment um, that we had, we had purchased. And, and Daniel walks through the foyer and he says, man, I'm jealous of this. I'm like, being sarcastic? Are you making fun of this mediocre equipment? And I'm, I'm thinking, how could you be jealous of this? And he told me something that I still carry today um, as, when it come, as far as how it comes to ministry and, and when it comes to working in ministry. He said, one day you will not be able to do this as a church because you're going to be too big. So he said, enjoy this season, this beginning season, while you can. So there I was loading these cheap speakers, and he's telling me he's got this room to lead worship in. People like this to lead worship with, right? And he's telling me, hey, enjoy this. Enjoy it. We're loading in every Sunday, sticking our stuff in one of those closets out there. Enjoy it, right? It's important to enjoy things. It's, it's my opinion that the most important thing for us to enjoy is God. It seems like an interesting thought. In a way, it may even seem like an obvious thought. But for many of us, it's unfortunately, it seems like a silly thought or an unimportant thought. It seems unspiritual. Sam Storms is a pastor of Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. Um, He sits on the board of directors for Desiring God. That's John Piper's ministry. He's also on the Council for the Gospel Coalition. And though I disagree with with some of his thoughts theologically, him being a Calvinist, me being Wesleyan, I love his thoughts on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, particularly his thoughts on the miraculous gifts and how they're alive and well. But I also love his thoughts on the importance 
of enjoying God. See, he didn't always believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, and that they were for today. That's how I kind of stumbled upon him because I love reading when a cessationalist no longer becomes a cessationalist and just kind of seeing how that transpires. But he also thought this idea of enjoying God, that the idea of enjoying God was silly. He says it this way. He says, there was a time when I thought the verb enjoy and the noun God should never be used in the same sentence. I could understand fearing God and obeying God, even loving God. But enjoying God struck me as inconsistent with the biblical mandate both to glorify God on the one hand and deny myself on the other. How could I be committed above all else to seeking God's glory if I were concerned about my own joy? My gladness and God's glory seemed to cancel each other out. I had to choose between one or the other. But embracing them both struck me as out of the question. Then he says this and ends with this quote. Worse still, enjoying God sounded a bit too lighthearted, almost casual, perhaps even flippant. And I knew that Christianity was serious business. You ever think like that? That Christianity is serious business. We're not here for enjoyment. We're here to win souls. We're here to glorify God. So enjoying God, of all the things to do regarding God, enjoying him doesn't seem to really carry a lot of weight. We often focus on knowing God, believing in God. But I think even that begs the question that if you know God, if you believe God, what does it say about him if you don't enjoy him? I've coached my two oldest daughters in T-ball the past few years and the field that their games are on has one shady spot on it. And sometimes, if I wanted to save myself a headache of filling out a lineup, which was most games, um, I would say, all right, everybody, where do y'all want to play? And they'd all say, right field. If you're a baseball fan, especially like if you know anything about baseball, especially in youth leagues, you're putting people that are just not good at the sport that need to be playing something else, you're putting them in right field. But they all want right field because this is the one place where shade is. Every, I'll be out in the middle of the field because this is what you do in, in, in T-ball. Actually, they call it wee ball. I'm not sure what that even is. It's like even easier than T-ball. No one gets out. You struck out. Go to first. So they, they're, in, they're in, the, in the field. My shortstop comes over to me. Coach Tate, what's going on, babe? I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, all right, that's, why is your glove not on your hand? Oh, my hand was getting too hot. I'm like, man, what are we doing here, right? Well, they love the show. So I had one, they love the shade. I had one primary goal for my t-ball team every year is to help them to learn to enjoy the game. I want to encourage them to do well. I encourage them when they do well. Encourage them when they don't do well, which was a lot. So often they did not do well. Teach them sportsmanship. Even teach them some skills like just getting in line, line up, like just getting an order in the dugout, right? Having a helmet. Just on at all at any point would be awesome if they could learn that. <laughs> all of this, though, teaching them these things is going to help them to learn to enjoy the game. If they enjoy it, I believe 
they will more likely stick with it, right? I'm wanting to talk to you this morning about enjoying God because it's the most important thing about our relationship with God. It's vital to how we perceive God and his heart for us. It's also vital to how others perceive God. Your enjoyment is vital to how others perceive God and his heart for them. Ultimately, our enjoyment of God brings glory to God. One theologian says it this way. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we get this wrong, when this is not a reflection of our relationship with God, we send an inaccurate message of God's heart for his children. Several years back, a friend, and, a friend of mine, David, and I, we were both in um, some other friend's wedding. He was reading scripture, and I was playing music. So David, he's like, He's a professional Bible reader, right? That's just what he does. So he's like, I'm not going to practice this. I'm like afraid of ruining their wedding, so I'm like practicing the song over and over again. But he's just like, I'm going to wing it. He doesn't come to the rehearsal, nothing, right? Gets to the wedding, doesn't even read the scripture, just finds what it is on the, in the program, finds the, the, the address, puts it in his Bible, doesn't even look at it. Goes up. To read is easy. All he's got to read is Matthew 7, 1 through 6, right? That's all he's got to read. Unfortunately, David doesn't know that they have put the wrong verse in. Matthew 7, 1 through 6 is not what this couple wants read at their wedding. It's probably not what any couple wants read at their wedding because it says this. He gets up. It's this romantic moment, right? David gets up and goes, judge not. That you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Or your future husband or future wife's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own. It gets even worse. Goes on to say, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I, I love this part. This is when people are like, this is real life. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs. I'm sure like the bride was like tucking her pearl necklace in there. Lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Closes his Bible, walks off stage. There was one message that they were wanting to hear that day, and that was not the message. When our relationship with Christ is built upon rules, regulations, do's, and don'ts, when we think that enjoying God is unimportant, unspiritual, then unfortunately we are sending the wrong message. Storm says it this way. He says, if God is to be supremely glorified in us, it's critically essential that we be supremely glad in him and in what he has done for us in Jesus. I believe to rightly portray the work of the cross, it requires a heart that rejoices in that work. 
I think we have to, as a church at large, we have to get this right. This is John 15, 7 through 11. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you would abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And he ends with this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see this emphasis on abiding in Jesus, following him, obeying him, keeping his commandments, All for what reason? That your joy may be full. I love this. The the, the end result, obedience is not the end goal. The end goal is enjoyment. The end goal is joy. Fullness of joy. My two-year-old Kate, who bears my likeness, she's ready for underwear. She calls it panties, but I kind of feel weird saying that. Her diaper is uncomfortable, so she'll often take off her diaper and, you know, start rocking her underwear. But she doesn't know how to do this quite yet. So five minutes in, she's like, uh-oh, daddy, uh-oh. I'm like, girl, you don't have a diaper on. Where's your diaper? She's like, oh, come on, I'll show you. So I'm like, where are we going? I mean, we find dirty diapers in, in drawers, right? <laughs> I put it in here with my, my clothes. I'm like, awesome. We'll wa- take all those out. We'll wash them. Takes me to the trash can. The top of the trash can. Open it up. Perfectly clean diaper. So being a, a good father and a steward of the earth, I take that diaper out of the trash. <laughs> this is how we are with enjoying God. We're, we're so against the prosperity gospel that we've thrown away any opportunity to enjoy, to be glad, or in all honesty, to even prosper, we've taken that opportunity, just thrown it in the trash. All the while, the Lord is saying, my desire for you is that your joy may be full. I think in some way, we've glorified this idea of suffering. This is what it looks like for many of us. I work in college ministry. Uh, I, this is what it looks like, I think, for some of, my, um, some of my students as they're looking to take Christ seriously. They become serious, right? They get rid of everything they enjoy in their life. They get rid of everything fun. And they just, I'm like, man, surely the creator of the universe is not as boring as you're making him look like he is. <laughs> But I think that is what we believe is what a mature believer is. Just someone who suffers. To be able to suffer for the kingdom. And I don't want you to think I'm making light of suffering. But what I want you to know is, look, anyone can suffer. Anyone can. Matter of fact, this room is full of all of us, I'm sure, have suffered. It doesn't take a lot to suffer. Just see me sick. I'm like, oh. Ashley, my Ashley, not everybody else's Ashley. (laughs) Come and help me, right? I love suffering. I can just wean it. But it's those who are in Christ who are actually called to rejoice in our suffering, right? Now, I'm not talking about just praising his name for my cough due cold. 
But I'm talking about, God, thank you for being with me in this moment of having a cough, do cough. This is Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. When I'm rejoicing in my suffering, again, I'm not typically thanking God for a broken back or a disease or rejection. I'm rejoicing that I serve and love a God that's bigger than that broken back, bigger than that disease, and bigger than that rejection. I'm rejoicing in the fact that I'm known and loved by a God who can redeem that situation or circumstance. And in redeeming it, he just takes that situation, produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope, and that hope is only going to feed my what? My ability to enjoy God. Even when, even when, the world around me is crumbling. I think we can also be hesitant to in, towards the idea of enjoying God because it feels like we're making the gospel all about us, all about our happiness, right? And, and look, the gospel is, is certainly, certainly not all about me. Not all about me just always being happy. And enjoying God being a, being a primary goal doesn't make the gospel all about you. Again, one pastor and author says it this way. He says, enjoying God as an all-satisfying person is not optional. It's not peripheral. It's not secondary. It's the root of all Christ-exalting love for people and all Christ-exalting worship of God. It's our first and greatest duty. Our first and greatest duty. Not obeying God, enjoying God. I want you to hear my heart on that. The Pharisees mastered, mastered obedience. They were lost when it came to enjoying God. With enjoyment of God being absent, their faith quickly became religion. And instead of glorifying God, often they did what? They ended up glorifying themselves. The very thing we're looking to avoid in glorifying ourselves when it comes to enjoying God is the very thing the Pharisees were doing. And they weren't enjoying God. So look, I understand that there are important things in life that we don't really enjoy, and those, st- those things still need to be a part of our lives. It's like going to the dentist. I went to my dentist. This is a true story. A year ago, I went to my dentist. Open my mouth. She's all in my mouth, Right? And she goes, Tate, you're from Waycross, right? And I'm like, can you tell that from my teeth? Like, what? The swamp is in the Waycross. I'm like, do I have like alligator teeth? What is happening? She's like, no, I just remember you saying that. And she goes, but hey, speaking of, do you, go to the, do you usually go to the dentist like every five years? I'm like, maybe every 10 years. I'm like, wow, I, actually, yeah, did I tell you that sometimes? She's like, no, I can tell by looking at your teeth. I didn't go to the dentist because I enjoy it, because I didn't enjoy it, right? That doesn't mean I shouldn't go to the dentist. You should go, if you're here and you go every five or ten years, you need to start going more than that. (laughs) Shame on me for being a bad example. So you don't have to enjoy something for it to be necessary and important. That is very, very true. 
But I want you to know this very important theological truth, and that is this. God is way better than your dentist. (laughs) Way better than your dentist. I mentioned John 15 earlier. If we look back even one chapter before that in John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Starts with love. Moves to the commandments. Love comes first. Doing comes second. So important for us to learn to enjoy. So what does it look like to enjoy God? I mean, does it mean that life's easy? Always easy. You're going to get what you want. You're going to get a brand new car. Yes, I'm just kidding. That's not what it means. No, it doesn't mean that. Actually, that would be enjoying a thing. That would be enjoying a moment. When I'm talking about enjoying God, I'm talking about enjoying a person. This is in in the story of Job. In Job 1, 20-21, it says this. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Remember, in this moment, Job's world is falling apart, and it's falling apart because Satan is coming against Job. Why is he coming against Job? If you remember, he's challenging God, saying, Job doesn't really love you. Job loves what you do for him. Job loves the blessings that you put in his life. And God thinks otherwise. He's like, actually, I know Job's heart. I don't, I don't think you're right. He's challenging where Job's hope is found. He's challenging where Job's enjoyment is found. It turns out that Job enjoys God. He lives for God from a place of who God is, not simply what God gives him. And the Lord says this about, about him upon Satan's first return back from, from attacking and antagonizing Job. He says, he still holds fast his integrity although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. I think because Job wasn't simply enjoying things or moments, but Job had learned to enjoy a person. If we don't find enjoyment in God, we will find it somewhere else. I'm going to hit pause there real quick because my mom didn't like that statement. I did what most 38-year-olds do. I practiced my sermon with my mother. I went to visit her last night, and I walked her through, and she's like, wait a second, I don't like that. I said, okay. She didn't like that statement, so she wanted me to clarify. I'm not saying it's bad to enjoy people or things. I enjoy a lot of people, especially myself. I'm not saying it's bad to enjoy people or things. I'm saying it's not the best thing for us to have a lifestyle of enjoying people or things and not a lifestyle of enjoying God. Because again, what does it say about your God when you enjoy this activity, this thing, this person, more than the God that gave you life? So she likes it better if I say it this way. Enjoying God enhances your ability to enjoy other people. And other things. When I'm enjoying the Father, it's going to be easy for me to enjoy Tom. I'm going to see what God sees in Tom. When I'm not enjoying the Father, don't let me near him. 
Just kidding. Just kidding. Enjoying God enhances your ability to enjoy other people and other things. And look, mother knows best, so listen to your mumsy. For all of you, uh, I have three girls, so I just, I watch Tangled a lot. So I know telling you to enjoy God is, is a simple statement to just throw out there, but what does that look like? I think it looks like your pleasure being found in who God is. Look at David's words in Psalm 16. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Enjoying God means finding our pleasure in his presence. Again, these are David's words in Psalm 27.4. This is one of my favorite psalms of his. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. I love how and why David enjoys God. He simply wants to look at him. He's in awe. David's not always perfect at enjoying God, but when he is off, he does this. He reminds himself. He says, self, David, why are you downcast? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, looking to enjoy God even in situations, even in moments when his life is at risk. Enjoying God means that regardless of how everything else looks or shakes out, that I'm sold. I'm completely sold because the one thing my heart desires more than anything is God. Look at the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians, this is in chapter 8, this is 1 through 2. This is regarding the church of Macedonia. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in wealth of generosity on their part. They're in severe affliction and extreme poverty, but they're overflowing with what? Joy. Their hearts were not consumed by their suffering or their poverty. Their hearts were consumed by the person of God. I take some pride in my hair. Don't be shocked. You know. Take some pride in my hair and um, this is how much pride I take in my hair. There's two people that cut it. It's not really fully true, but so there's one lady that cuts it. She's been cutting for the past, I don't know, seven, eight years. Her name's Tiffany. But recently, she has an understudy named Taylor. And the last three or four times I've gotten my hair cut, Taylor has like awkwardly stood behind Tiffany. Just looking at me. That's weird, guys. Go get your hair cut. Let there be someone that stands behind the person that's already touching your head, which is already weird. And she's just watching, just... I'm like, man, this is weird. So about my fourth time, I'm like, all right, I gotta break this awkwardness. I need to. I just let me just meet this girl. So I'm like, hey, Taylor, tell me, what do I need to know about you, other than you stalk haircuts? <laughs> and she's like, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. I was like, well, like if I were going to describe you to someone, I'd say, you know, Taylor, who likes, and you fill in the blank. She's like, well, 
I like cinnamon rolls. I was like, Taylor, I too am a big fan of cinnamon rolls. Where in Milledgeville do you get your cinnamon rolls? She tells me. So now I know like the place to get cinnamon rolls. I already knew that because Milledgeville is really tiny and there's only one place you can buy cinnamon rolls. It's a place called Walmart. Just kidding. But she moves from talking about cinnamon rolls to other things she enjoys. I learned she has a daughter. Actually, later that day, I'm walking around downtown with my fresh new haircut. I see Taylor walking. I'm like, hey, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to get some pizza. I also enjoy pizza. So I know three things about Taylor, all things that she enjoys, cinnamon rolls, her daughter, and pizza. Why am I telling you this? Enjoying God is so important because we're most known by what we enjoy. Now, in knowing me and meeting me, I want you to know that I enjoy my daughters, that I enjoy my wife, that I enjoy my hair. But more than anything, I want you to know that my life has been changed by a loving God that I enjoy every day. So here's what I enjoy most about God. I enjoy what he thinks about me. I enjoy how he feels about me. A few years ago, my wife and I were sitting in a um, prophetic time. And uh, one of the, the leaders of the group that was actually prophesying to us, was a, she's probably 13, 14 years old. This little um, middle school girl sitting right across from us, and she looks at me and she goes, Tate, the Lord, I, don't, I just met her. She knows nothing about me. Tate, the Lord has a word for your marriage. I'm like, okay, what is it? She says, the word is strong. What this young lady doesn't know is I have one word from the English language written inside of my ring, and that word is strong. In that moment, absolutely, I felt known and loved by God. I love, I enjoy the creative ways that God shows his love for me. That's what I enjoy most about God, or one of the things I enjoy most about God, I'll say it that way. I love the way he loves me. So I think the perfect way to close a message like this is to ask you that simple question, to get your mind thinking about enjoying God. What do you enjoy most about God? I'd love for you to respond by, by letting us pray for you. So prayer team, if you got, y'all have a prayer team? All right, awesome. If not, I would have left so quick. Prayer team, you guys can, y'all go ahead and come up if you like, if that's okay, if I'm not stepping on toes. If, uh, if Tom has told you otherwise, that's fine. Um, but I'd love for you to respond first by letting, us, letting them pray for you this morning, especially if enjoying God has been difficult for you. Especially lately, perhaps life has been hard. It's been really easy to forget that enjoying God is important and it's it's for us to do. I understand it. I do it often. I find myself asking the words of David, why are you downcast, O my soul? 
So there's no shame if that's where you are. I just want to remind you who your God is. So let these people pray for you this morning for that. If you are enjoying God and you don't really necessarily need prayer for that, here's what I want to encourage you to do as your response. I want you to either turn to someone near you or even if you want, come up and share this with the prayer team. I want you to testify about what you enjoy most about God. And here's why I want you to do that. Because our joy is contagious. Right? What I enjoy about God is going to be life-giving to not just myself, but to other people. So that will be the way I believe. I think the Lord would want to minister this morning. Letting that joy be contagious. So speaking of joy, it's been such a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you for inviting me to be here with your church family. Letting me be a part. It was a blessing. Um, Thank you guys so much.